Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Ephesians 1 Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
this this chapter is just amazing in all that it describes. My wife Karen was in a Bible study here in KL, and I think they spent a whole year in Ephesians one. Like they never got out of Ephesians one during that year. Um, each verse really deserves a lot more exploration that we won't be able to do today. Um, after Paul's introductory lines in, in the first two verses, we have verses thir- 3 through 14, and that's one sentence, one very long sentence. And it's been described in various ways. A long-winded racehorse, or a snowball tumbling down a hill, or as the overture of an opera. There's just one image after another that's building and it's, it's all combining to give us this, this brilliant view of what our salvation is. Then verses 15 to 23 are an extended prayer of thanksgiving. And so this first chapter of Ephesians gives us a foundation, a foundation for us to think about church. And Paul, the way he writes typically and Ephesians is a great example of this, is he, in the first half of his letters, typically he's dealing with the, the thinky stuff, the theological stuff, and then he moves to the practical. And so that means today it's a little bit more of a foundation, and then we'll move gradually in this series to more practical application. This morning, we're going to look at this in three parts. The benefits of being God's people. Second, the burden of trying to be God's church. And three, the beauty of being God's church in Christ. So, and then we will conclude with five implications for us to take, take away from this. So the benefit of being God's people. In these first verses, in verse four, it says, God is our, our creator and we are his workmanship. He chose us before the foundation of the world. Verse five, it says, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Why? To the praise of his glorious grace. Verse seven, God redeemed us from slavery to our sin. Verse eight, God has lavished his grace on us. Verse 11, God has passed on his inheritance to us. This passage really gives us perspective. We are who we are because God has made us so. The images that we are given are, are just help us get a grasp of the extraordinary nature of this. We were ordinary peasants that have been made royalty by the king of kings. There's no greater leap in station of life than that. We were convicted criminals who have been given a complete pardon and freed from prison. We were living in perpetual spiritual poverty until God lavished us with his grace. What does it mean to be God's people? It means we are no longer spiritual refugees. God has given us asylum. More than that, he has given us full citizenship. To put it succinctly, 
The church is God's, full stop. We belong to God. Harvest is God's. This means that we are stewards of God's church. I know there have been times when I've been attending a church service and you start thinking about, oh, the choice of the music or the lighting or the style of the preaching or the kids programs or maybe lack thereof. And I could go on and on. And it's, it's, it's the world we live in, right? It's a Yelp world that we live in or TripAdvisor world where we have this experience and then we review it. We give our input into it. But sometimes we can confuse our preferences for these matters um, instead of that which honors God. So let me give you something to consider. If we made the church all about our own preferences, would it be worth our time? When we say the church is God's, it takes it to a whole different level. We are a community of those saved miraculously. But now what? How are we to be God's church? And let me just take a little bit of a tangent here. Our preferences aren't necessarily bad. We have to make some decisions regarding something, right? We, somebody needs to choose the music. Someone needs to choose the style. And we may have different opinions about what is maybe the better style or the better songs. And they may be different and still be God-honoring. And so I'm not saying our opinions are rubbish, but sometimes they can, they can take precedence over what is honoring to God. Second, the burden of trying to be God's church. So if we are God's church, then we need to think about what we are supposed to be like, right? That's a big responsibility. The church of God should reflect who God is, right? To be adopted into God's royal family means we now represent God. What we do, how we act, what we say, they all represent God. To say the church belongs to God then has implications for us. Um, God's church should be holy, right? The text says that we were chosen in verse 4, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In Leviticus and 1 Peter, we are commanded to be holy because God is holy. The, God's church is to be unblemished or blameless. The reference goes back to the sacrificial system in the Old Testament of offering, offering our very best animals as an offering to God. To be holy and blameless, those are high standards. If God is to maintain his holiness, his people must do the same. We have the highest standard to keep. 
The church must not compromise in anything. And if this is so, you might be having some questions right now. It's very likely you've seen news of so many church scandals. Or sometimes in a more subtle way, the church just not behaving in a way that honors God, honors God's holiness. Sadly, the church doesn't live up to even the world's standards sometimes. Sometimes the church will justify questionable ethics and saying it is for the sake of the kingdom of God. Sometimes uh, something is wrong when the God's holiness and the advancement of the kingdom are set up in opposition to each other. What do we do about that? And there's a deeper problem. It's not just the church that fails to live up to God's standard, but you and I fail to live up to God's standard. Harvest has been so gracious in welcoming me to be a part of this body. I feel bad because I bring sin into this mix. Pride, selfishness, greed. I dare say we all bring sin into this mix. You, you could think about it this way. The only perfect church would have no people in it. Each of us brings sinfulness into the church. So how can we possibly be God's church? It seems like we will fail. It'll fail before we even launch. No, no matter how much I preach about being holy, it doesn't make me more holy. It doesn't make you more holy. So what do we do? Should we just give up on trying? Ephesians helps us answer this. So the third point this morning is the beauty of being God's church in Christ. If we try to perfect the church ourselves, we are less a part of God's church and seemingly trying to establish our own church. If that's what we're about, then really we're not that much different from Lions Club or Kiwanis or any other human-engineered effort at making a better world. And I'm not against those organizations. In fact, I appreciate the good things that they are doing, but they will never address the worst of the world's ills. There will still be wars, as we have going on right now. There will still be poverty and crime and divorce and betrayal. Even our best efforts are not good enough. They do not address the human heart. Paul says it well in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I can identify with that really easily. I don't know about you, but I can identify with someone who says, I do the very thing I hate. The beauty of Ephesians 1 is that Paul realizes that the church is not holy 
based on the merits of her members. We would be a sunk ship if that was true. How is it that Paul can describe the church in Ephesus as holy and blameless? Well, we get that answer here. There's a hint in verse 1, actually. He addresses the church as saints, which literally means the holy ones. How can we be called saints? As we saw, even Paul himself knows he doesn't measure up. Let's take a glance at verses 15 to 23. This is a prayer from Paul. Listening in on prayers can be quite revealing about what one believes. Um, and here we get a sense for what Paul is, uh, believes. The church in Ephesus is holy because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the holy and blameless life that we fail to live. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, God's immeasurable greatness was on display. Jesus sits at the right hand of God. The church is no mere collection of humans just playing at religion. Rather, we gather because Christ has brought us together. God, it, we count on Christ's holiness. The language throughout the chapter of adoption and inheritance and redemption, they all point to something extraordinary. Being adopted through Christ, we gain new identity. We are counted holy and blameless because we inherited Christ's holiness and blamelessness. The last two verses in this chapter, verses 22 and 23, they're especially important for our discussion today. It says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We, the church, have our identity in Christ. This is no small matter. The church is Christ's body, and Christ rules over all. This reality changes everything. We're surrounded by embassies. And there is no embassy that represents a higher power than what this church represents. So as we're considering this, here are five implications. Because the church is God's, we represent God's everlasting rule and kingdom. An embassy, going back to the embassy imagery, an embassy represents the power and the ethics and life of a nation that it represents. The church then should represent Christ, who rules everything. We are ambassadors of Christ. Second implication, because the church is God's, we have a primary responsibility to give witness to Christ in all that we do. 
In other words, the our time of worship together, it's not for us. It's not for us to have all the feels. It is to exalt Christ. The preaching is not for your enjoyment. Not that you would be necessarily enjoying yourself at this moment. Um, it is to shine a light on Christ through God's word. The programs of the church, they're not to keep our kids and youth occupied. They are to shape us into Christ-likeness. So we have a primary responsibility to, to give witness to Christ in every aspect of church life. We are God's church. Number three, because the church is God's, we must do everything under the authority of God's word. The Bible provides the content for the church's teaching, as well as a guide for all church practice. And this is tricky because sometimes we can want to rely on maybe business experience or life experience in some of these matters, but we must soak ourselves in the word of God for our sustenance and for our direction. Fourth, because the church is God's, we who are in Christ carry Christ's holiness. The fight for holiness cannot be won on our own. Christ has won that fight for us. It is for us then to repent and place our full trust in Christ. And so for the church, we are demanded to be holy. We, we cannot do that just by trying harder. We must, we must fold ourselves into Christ and allow his holiness to go before us. Walk with Christ and so that we more and more mirror his holiness. Fifth, because the church is God's, we can know that we are in God's hands. Christ gives us real hope because of the salvation he secured for us. And we see that in verses 12 to 13. Our salvation is sealed because of the work of the Holy Spirit. God the Father has orchestrated all of this for the sake of his glory. I don't know if you picked up on it when we were reading it earlier, but this is just a very, we see the, the whole Trinity involved in our salvation. In other words, God Almighty, known to us as Father, Son, and Spirit, he shows us his great love and forgiveness and grace. And because of that, we gather. We gather out of joy and celebration. As we move through this series, there will be more direct application points. But we can't think rightly about the church unless we first understand that the church is God's. We are part of something that has no equal in the rest of the planet. 
I'm not saying harvest KL alone. I'm saying the church, the church of Christ. And I mean that by the church of Christ represented around the world. There is no greater entity You may respond in a few different ways to this, and, and I don't know where you're at in all of this. Um, for some of you, these ideas might be new to you. And if they are new to you, I would encourage you to, to look, investigate, look into Christ. The church is nothing without Christ. And so if you want to know more about the church, look first to Christ. Others of you maybe have allowed some habits to develop that have drawn you away from Christ. And that, that drawing away from Christ also means that it's, there's a drawing away from the body of Christ, the church. And so I would urge you, if that, is, if that is you, to return to Christ, to examine what those things are, and maybe there are things that you need to, to turn away from, to let go, to drop, and then turn to Christ. And there's maybe a third group of you who have just needed a reminder about God's church. Harvest KL, as the body of Christ, we need to work at strengthening as a body so that we can do what God has called us to do. And so would you consider how God wants to use you to exalt Christ through the church? What role do you have in this? And we all have a role every single one of us. Before I pray, just want to encourage you to um, find ways, and, and this is what I said last week, um, find ways to reach out to one another, to reestablish those relational lines. Um, one, that's one of the things that I think we we did lose when we went virtual it is we, 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 it seems so intangible, but just being able to, to catch up on one's week and in a quick chat before we begin worship together or being able to, to talk through some things, some challenges together, um, find ways to begin to relate to one another. Welcome those that are, that are new in, in the midst of us. Find ways to, to share and, and serve one another, to love on one another well. And that means not just those who are in the room, but those who are part of the church that can't be with us today. Let's find ways to serve one another, to love one another well in the midst of this. And all of this, for the sake of God's glory, because this is God's. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the church. 
We thank you for Harvest KL. We thank you for all of those who have been working hard over the last couple of years to keep things going, to provide online um, an online church experience, to be able to worship together and, and hear God's word taught. Father, we thank you for this really important reminder that all of this is meaningless if it is not centered on you. And so, God, I pray that as we um, gather this morning, as we move from this gathering this morning, that we would, you would help us meditate on what it means to be God's church and how we can play a role in giving you glory through this church. Father, we thank you for everyone who has been able to join, whether online or in person. God, I pray that as we all go throughout this week, that you would give us strength, that through us, your love would um, speak to those around us, that we would be able to serve and love others all around us because you have done so in us. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.